guys can grab a seat. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to walk through Easter weekend, the, the original as best we can, and kind of enter the story. And our story begins with 13 men who are gathered together in a borrowed room getting ready to have what was called the Last Supper. And it's the Last Supper because it's the last time this particular group of guys are going to be together. And their leader is a man who claims to be God, or will shortly do that. And he begins to lay out these final plans. And this is not just an ordinary group of guys. I mean, they'd been through the last three years of their life, which has been amazing. They were talk of the whole region. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen signs and wonders. They'd seen incredible things. And here they are gathered together uh, in this room. And they're not just having an ordinary meal. It's actually a, a festival or a feast. It's a special holiday. Uh, much like many people, even today, will go and have a special dinner after uh, we get done here. But this was a, a holiday that they celebrated for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it really was about two things. It was called the Passover. And it was the first thing was to look backwards. And it was looking backwards on how God had rescued his people, the Israelites, out of slavery, out of Egypt. And he did it through a, a series of ten plagues that happened. And the 10th plague was the plague of the firstborn. And whenever that plague would pass through, that every firstborn male would die of the Egyptians or anyone, unless they took the blood of the lamb and they put, they put the blood on the doorposts of their house. And anyone who had the blood of the lamb or a lamb that was put on the doorposts of their house, the plague would pass over that and they would be spared and they would be saved. And so they would look back, and there was this, this uh, ritual and this feast that they would, they would look back and be reminded of the salvation of God hundreds and hundreds of years before that. And that was the actual feast that they were taking part of. But the second part of that special holiday and special feast that was going on, it didn't just look backwards, it also pointed forwards. And it was symbolic that one day there would be a perfect Lamb of God whose blood would then cover the sins of the world, take away them, not through a sacrificial system, but once and for all, the blood would be spilled and that there would also be salvation. And as they're receiving this meal and, and taking part in this meal, Jesus says these words, Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink it again, uh, drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when he said these words, it was an invitation to them to come into communion with Christ, to come into this invitation, to come into this new covenant that what he was talking about there. And it's also an invitation for us as we read these words to come into communion with Christ. But I want you to understand the significance and the weight of what he was doing in this moment. Remember, they had kept this festival and this feast for hundreds and hundreds of years that look, looked backwards, but it also pointed forwards to a day when there would be a savior and when Jesus said these words, what he was doing is he was taking all of the fingers that pointed to God and he pointed them at himself. And he said, I'm the guy. I'm what this thing is all about. You know that thing that we've been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years? It's all led up to this very moment. I'm what this is all about. 
Now, can you imagine the weight and the gravity of that? I mean, they had, they'd heard about this for years and years and generation upon generation, and Jesus has the audacity to say, I'm what this whole thing has been waiting for. And you know what happened? After this, one would betray him, and all the rest of them would deny him in some way because they didn't, out of fear, to be associated with what he said because what he was saying is, I'm God. What he was saying is that he is the perfect lamb that was going to be sacrificed. And every one of them would deny him or abandon him in some way, but also every single one of them said that they wouldn't do it. <laughs> right after, they said, no, we're, we're, not, we're with you, Jesus, we're with you. Have you guys ever had a moment where you're like, you wish you could take something back, like you stuck your foot in your mouth or you, you posted that Facebook post that you wish you could unpost, right? This, this moment is about to happen for some of the disciples. They're like, wish they could have this moment back, especially uh, one of the disciples, and it's found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. It, the story continues. It says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went down to the Mount of Olives, and then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, and he said, though they all fall away, I'm not going to. I will never fall away. These guys, yeah, they're probably going to fall away. But I'm not going to do it, Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, and this is the moment that Peter wants to, you know, delete that Facebook post, right? And he, he goes on and he says, Jesus says, true that I tell you, this night, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter goes on and he goes further and he, he puts his stake in the ground. He says, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And then all the disciples said the same. Within hours, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Within hours, all the disciples had scattered. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt the love of God, the peace of God, the acceptance of God in such a powerful way that it was almost overwhelming. Have you ever felt that before? Just, I just want to see a show of hands. Hey, can you remember a time? Some of you may be in that time right now. Some of you may be in the very opposite of that. But can you just go back, just go back to that place in your mind or that feeling or experience, whatever that is, where you felt like, like the purest love of God towards you. And I want you to understand that in that very moment that you're reliving right now, God knew what sin you would commit next. And yet he still poured out that amazing love and peace and acceptance to you in that moment, knowing what would happen next. See, Jesus, God knows everything. God knows the end from the beginning. And he knew that Peter and the other disciples would deny him, but he still arranged for that dinner for them to be together. And he still already set in motion to go to the cross for them, knowing what sin they would commit next. And I, I need somebody to hear this today, that God never gives up on you. God never gives up on you. Let me say it this way, and I hope this sticks with you, that there are no dead ends with Jesus. You may feel like it's a dead end, but there are no dead ends with Jesus. God never gives up on you. He knows everything, and yet he still went to the cross. And so this invitation to come into communion with Christ is it literally is a come-as-you-are invitation. You come to Christ as you are. And so what we're going to do is we're going to enter the story right now, if we can. And normally when we receive communion, we enter it from the point of, of looking backwards 
and we can do that today. We, we will do that. We've already celebrated and sung about that. But I also want you to simultaneously kind of put yourself into the story with the disciples today. And as we go to receive the bread and the cup, we're reminded of the body that was broken for us and the blood that was spilled for us. But for a moment, can we also take time to kind of be with those disciples and carry the weight of the gravity of what Jesus was about to do for them, even though they denied him? Can you imagine that the scripture says that Peter went out and wept bitterly? In that moment, he was seeing Jesus go to the cross, knowing that the very last thing that he did was deny Jesus. But God's love is so strong, and his love is so powerful, that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to enter the story. There are tables in the back, and there are tables in the front. We're going to come during this song, and we're going to have a moment where we just receive communion. And we, we, we reflect on the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled and the power of Jesus as he was getting ready to go to the cross. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. And you know it all. You know everything, every single thing about us. And we thank you that there are no dead ends with you, that there's always new life. And so we thank you for your blood that was spilled and your body that was broken. We come to remember in Jesus' name. Let's come and receive. So he went from the Last Supper to the garden, and then he was going to the cross. He was beaten, he was bruised, a crown of thorns upon his head, and he went to the cross for us. And we were invited to come into communion with Christ, but the next thing we need to do in the story that we've entered is to come into agreement with the cross. What does that mean? Well, we have to understand what's on the cross. Of course, we know what's on the cross is Jesus what did Jesus bring? In John chapter 1, verse 14, he says, it says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. That, that's what you'll encounter at the cross. You'll find 
truth and grace, grace and truth. Truth, you'll find that sin has to be paid for, right? Sin has to be paid for. There's, there's no doubt about that, that, that there has to be a punishment for sin. The question is, who will take the punishment for sin? And Jesus on the cross volunteered to take our punishment for sin. But if Jesus is going to pay the price for our sin, that means we have to actually give our sin to him. See, we don't hang on to our sin. We give our sin to Jesus. That's coming into the truth of the cross. And listen, I want you to understand, maybe you're here today and you're struggling with sin like Peter was when he denied Jesus. I want you to understand there's a difference between struggling with sin and then struggling for sin, like trying to hang on to your sin. So you may be struggling with sin, but we have to give our sin to Jesus. That's coming into truth of the cross. But the good news about the cross is we encounter the truth of God, but we also encounter the grace to be able to do it. Remember, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Can somebody tell me? Three times. Well, Jesus goes to the cross and He's resurrected, and after a while, Peter, you know, says, well, I'm just going to go back to fishing. And some of the disciples said, yeah, let's go fishing. And, and as they're fishing, they notice off on the, the seashore, they notice that somebody is over there off to the side. They finally figure out that it's Jesus, and they jump in the water, and they swim over to Jesus. They find out that Jesus is cooking breakfast on the seashore. How many of you guys think that would be a good breakfast, right? And they go out, and they, they talk for a little bit, and then Jesus does something very, very interesting in John chapter 21, verse 15. You see, it was, they, they had the last supper, but it wasn't the last meal that some of these guys would have together because there's this breakfast here, and it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. And he, he said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? And he said to him, he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. How many times did Peter deny? Here Jesus says to him a third time, Simon, son of, of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What's going on here? I believe Jesus is giving Peter an opportunity for every time he denied Jesus to understand that he can come into agreement with grace and truth. And that he can come into agreement with the cross, that there's redemption, that there's restoration, that there are no dead ends with Jesus. And he's coming into agreement with that. For every time he denied, he allowed him an opportunity to come into agreement with grace. And somebody today may need to come into agreement with grace. Come into agreement with the cross because there are no dead ends with Jesus. Now, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. How many of you guys are thankful that he forgave all our sins? Amen. It's awesome. But I love this next verse, the way that it puts it. It says, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I want you to understand, if you're in Christ, where are your sins? They have been nailed to the cross. It wasn't just Jesus that was nailed to the cross, according to Scripture. Our sins are nailed to the cross. But we have to come into agreement with that. Because some of us may have struggled with that, or forgotten that, or tried to hold on to ours. But we have to come into agreement that our sins have been nailed to the cross. And so what I want to do to enter the story 
you have a, a blank card on your, on your seat there. It's a blank sheet of paper. And it's blank intentionally because we're going to write some stuff in here. And then at these communion tables, there are empty baskets. And they're empty intentionally because we're going to fill them up with some things. And this may sound a little bit strange. Maybe you've never done this before, but I believe it's going to be significant for some people. What we're going to do here in just a minute is we're going to see a video, and then we're going to have a worship song. During the video, I'm going to invite you to write down on that piece of paper a sin. Or maybe for some of you, you need an extra sheet. I don't know. but (laughs) Whatever God leads you to write down. You're going to write that down. And then during when the song starts, we're going to come and we're going to leave them here at the altar. And it's going to be a a visible act of us coming into agreement with the cross that our sins have been nailed to the cross. Now, this is the way it's going to go. Probably three different types of people. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus at all. You haven't given your life to God, but you're like, man, I want to enter this story. Then right now you can even participate. You You can write something down. Say, I'd like to exchange this for a different type of life. You can just, by faith, write something down. Others of you, this is what it's gonna be for you. You're gonna remember your salvation and how when you got saved and when you came to Jesus, you were set free from a sin or maybe several sins, and you can write that down. And it's gonna be an act of celebration for you. It's gonna be an act of coming into agreement with the cross, saying, remember, there is power at the cross, and I was set free from this sin when I came to Jesus Christ. And it's gonna be a taunt to the enemy when you come down and you put it in. And then others of us, maybe we're found, we we are following Jesus, but we're still struggling with the sin. And we need to be reminded and come into agreement with the cross that our sin doesn't belong in our hands. It's been nailed to the cross. We have to come into agreement with that once again and understand that there's grace and there's truth found at the cross. And so it's gonna be an act of faith to say, I may be struggling with this, but I'm not gonna keep it in my hand. I'm gonna put it back at the cross. And so as I say, during this video, we're gonna write that down. And then when the worship starts, we're gonna come, tables in back, tables in front. God, we thank you that our sins have been nailed at the cross. We don't have to pay the punishment or the price for them you have. But we give them to you because we know that we can't, we can't earn it. We can't buy your grace. We can't borrow for it. We can't barter for it. We can't trade for it. We can't be good enough for it. God, all, all we can do is we can surrender to your grace and truth that's found at the cross. And Lord, we thank you that no matter where we're at on the spectrum, that there are no dead ends with Jesus. And today, we make a decision. You might even just right there where you're at in your heart or even out loud, just I come into agreement with the cross. I come into agreement with grace and truth. My sins are nailed to the cross. And Jesus, we thank you for that. In your name we pray, amen. Lord, can you hear me? I'm here, fighting, pressing to remember what you said. But this onslaught of thoughts fills my head with dread and I need you. Like enemies encamped, shrouded in the dark, I can feel the fascination of too many temptations reaching for my heart. So I need you to hear me. For I know your ears are attentive to the righteous and I know that your ways are certain 
Even when my worries would trample me to dust, still, I know you are good. Your hand is just. So come now, be the salvation for my sins. Help me to begin again, that you would mend this trend of hopelessness. God, deliver me in my brokenness. I can feel your presence, even now in the ugly, in the mess that has been made. You surround me with your benevolence. Yes, your love is on display, and I can see it. Carving roads through the struggles and the troubles, past temptations and devices that seek to choke me out. So come fear, come failure, come opposition or doubt. Jesus, you are my deliverance. Your grace is sufficient. Trusting you is my only way out. Now I turn my mind to dwell on your truth. Curate the condition of my heart to manifest joy. Be my living proof. Subdue the haters. Quell the voices inside. Transform me, Lord. Extinguish my pride. You've won the battle. I trust in your plans. Yes, God. I surrender all my worries, my woes, and my demands into your eternally capable hands. Long before the beginning of all other beginnings, God is. In a burst of creative activity, God creates the world and everything in it. Humans are designed to live inside of this unique relationship, but they choose otherwise. The law of God is broken and the heart of God is pierced. But the story isn't over. In the fullness of time, God gives his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus comes to seek and save those who are lost, wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. On the cross, God is in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathes his last. But the story isn't over. On the morning of the third day, the power of the living God erupts, breaking through death with the moment that will define all other moments. Perched at the edge of heaven, the angels stand in awe as one of their own rolls away the stone that's guarding the body of Jesus. As if anything, and guard Jesus. He walks out of the tomb alive. He is victorious. He is conquering death and rendering the grave unnecessary. He is living and moving and breathing as only the risen Son of God can. But the story isn't over. We are, every one of us, searching and hoping and longing for life. It's a desire that's been deposited into our souls 
by the very same God who spoke it all into existence. And it's this exact life that the resurrection of Jesus invites us into. So bring your hopes, your regrets, your successes and your failures. Bring your doubts, your joys, your fears and your dreams. Be resolute and unwilling to settle for anything less than the abundant life of the risen King. Because truly, if the story isn't over, then what happens next might just change everything. Celebrate. Go ahead and let's just celebrate the resurrection because the story didn't end at the cross. He came out of the tomb alive, and that's what the resurrection story is obviously all about. So he went to the tomb, but he did not stay there. But can you imagine for a moment the, the darkness of those few days that the disciples had to endure as he went from the cross and into the grave? And have you guys ever heard that, like that old sermon, it may be Friday night, but Sunday's on its way. Have you guys ever heard something like that? And some of you might feel like, man, I'm in a Friday night right now. And you might be thinking, but, but Sunday's on the way. Here's what I want you to understand. If you are in Christ, our Sunday has been here for 2,000 years. And we have to come into a third day, that Sunday, that third day confession. And stop living in defeat, but come into the confession of the third day. Because Sunday, the third day, has been with us for 2,000 years. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. So when we come into a third day confession, we're saying that Jesus is God, that Jesus is king, that Jesus is alive. He wasn't just a good teacher. No, it's, it's more than that. He wasn't just a good moral guy. Who, who taught some things. No, it's, it's more than that. He wasn't a, a founder of a, just a, one of the religions. No, it's way different than that. When we come into a third day confession, what we're doing is we're confessing John chapter 14, verse six, where Jesus said that I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So a third day confession is saying that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only truth. Jesus is the only life. He is the only way to the Father. And that truly does change everything. But we come into that confession, that third day confession. Jesus uh, said in John chapter 12, verse 32, he says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to himself. And he's talking about the cross. We know that because the very next scripture says he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And so we've had one goal today, and that is to lift Jesus up. Jesus was lifted up on the cross, but then Jesus was lifted up into heaven, wasn't he? But the question we need to answer today is, is Jesus lifted up in our hearts? Because there are a lot of possibilities of things that could be lifted up in our hearts. It could be distractions. It could be, it could be you know, divert, sin. It could be any number of things that are lifted up. Worry. The question is, is Jesus lifted up in our heart? I, I want to finish with a story. And it's a story I heard that happened years ago. And it's a pastor who he flew to Honolulu to have, I think it was a speaking engagement or something. But because of the time difference... He woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning, just wide awake, like his internal clock hasn't shifted over yet. And so he woke up wide awake, and he was hungry, and so he went out to go try to find some place to eat. And all he could find was this seedy little diner, this dirty, grimy diner. And he goes in there at 3 in the morning, 
And it, it seems like there's, it's just a mom and pop operation and the owners are the ones running it. The guys out front and the ladies in the back, you know, uh, you know at the, the stove and the kitchen. And he's trying to find like the least, you know, dingy thing he can eat. And he sees these donuts under this, this uh, you know, glass container. He's like, I'll have one of those donuts and some coffee. And so the guy takes off the lid and with his bare hands just grabs the donut, puts it on the plate and gives it to the guy. So he's sitting there trying to contemplate, should I eat this? You know, if I pray over this, we'll be fine, you know. And as he's thinking about it, these three ladies walk in. And remember, it's like three in the morning. And they walk in and sit down, and he can't help but overhear the conversation and quickly finds out that they're prostitutes. They just got off their shift, and they're talking about their clients and their day. And and he overhears their conversation. It's just them and and. He hears one of them say to the other two, you know, today is my birthday. And the other two start giving her a hard time. Well, what kind of present should we get you? And she, she quips back and she says, present? I, I've never had a present in my life. Eventually, they kind of wrap up the conversation and they leave. And so the pastor goes and he, he talks, of the, talks to the owners there. And he says, do, you know, those ladies over there, do you know them? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, the, the lady on the left, you know, it was her birthday today. And, and the, the lady that was working in the back said, yeah, that's Agnes. And she said, she's one of the good ones. I know that she's in a bad place and she's, you know, in a you know, bad line of work and all that type of stuff and struggling, but she's one of the good ones. And he, the pastor said, well, would you mind if I had a birthday party for her tomorrow night? And they're like, anything for Agnes. I mean, she's, she's wonderful, anything for her. And he said, well, would you mind if I used your diner to do that. And they said, no, anything for her. And he said, all right, I'll be back tomorrow. You invite anybody who's ever known Agnes at all that you know of. And so sure enough, he comes back and, and uh, he comes back with streamers and you know all this stuff to decorate the place up. And he has a cake with her name on it. And sure enough, like clockwork, as the ladies did every single night around three o'clock, they walk in. And to her surprise, everyone's there and singing happy birthday to Agnes. And they're getting ready to cut the cake. And she's like, no, 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 don't cut the cake. And, and she said, I've never seen my name on a birthday cake before. And I want to show my mom. And her mom lived a couple blocks away. And so she left to go get her mom. And as she left, the pastor stood up in front of everybody and said, would you guys mind if I just prayed for Agnes for a second? And so he began to pray that the love of God would invade her heart and that she would, you know, uh, feel the love from the people there and and Agnes came back with her mom, and they celebrated. And, and as things were kind of winding down, the lady who had been working in the back, who you know most likely owned the diner, came to the pastor and grabbed him by the shirt and said, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. She said, what kind of church would do something like this? I don't believe a church like that exists. And he said, well, I guess, I guess I'm a pastor of a church that would throw a party for a prostitute at 3 a.m. in the morning. And she said, well, if a church like that exists, I'd go to it. And some people wonder if a God like that exists. And the answer, if you want to know, is yes. It's all throughout Scripture. You think about the prodigal son who went around, he went out and he, he wasted all of this in lavish living and his sin. And what was the father doing? Waiting with arms open wide. Some people wonder if a God like that exists. And I just want to give you hope. If, if you've wondered, well, I don't know. If there was a God like that that existed, then I'd follow him. But here's what I want you to understand. The pastor 
that night wasn't celebrating her sin. He was demonstrating that no matter what sin you find yourself in, the love of God can still reach you. See, God doesn't celebrate the sin. In fact, it was sin that caused Jesus to go to the cross. It's not the sin that was celebrated. It was the love of God that was demonstrated. That no matter where you find yourself at, that God's love can reach you. And you can experience both grace and truth at the cross because there are no dead ends with Jesus. So would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? I wanna give everyone just an opportunity to further enter this story. Because now I've preached the gospel to you. I've preached the good news of Jesus Christ to you. And every single one of us in this room and maybe listening online or at a later time, we are making a choice right now, whether we are going to enter that story, whether we're going to believe that story, whether we're going to uh, acknowledge that that's truth or not, we're making a choice right now. And we all have a responsibility for what we've now heard. And every single person here will be either making a choice to enter into that story, to say yes to Jesus, to follow him as the only way, the only truth, the only life, the only way to the Father, or we'll be making a decision to reject him. And you say, well, maybe I haven't made any decision yet. Well, indecision is a decision. But I want you to know that if you feel right now, you feel as if there's something knocking on the door to your heart or the door to your life and saying that there's something about this story that's right. There's something about this that's real. I want you to understand that's the spirit of God moving in your life right now. And you have a choice what you're going to do with that. And let me tell you, it's the most important decision of your life. And there are some of you today that maybe you're like the prodigal son, that at one point you were in the father's house, but for whatever reason, you know that you're not where you should be, that you have strayed away. And I want you to understand, you can come back to the father's house. His arms are open wide because there are no dead ends with Jesus. And others of you, maybe this is the, the very first time you're saying, I just need to, I need to enter this story. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to give him my sin. I need to come to the cross. I need to experience grace and truth and the resurrection that comes with Jesus. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, that we will be saved. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity right now just between you and God. You know, you, you can have a moment later on where you publicly do something, but right now this is between you and God. But I also want to just give you an opportunity by faith, like an act of faith. And part of that act of faith that you're going to do is simply acknowledge that by lifting up your hand to heaven. And if that's you right now, you say, I need to come back to the Father's house. I need to surrender to Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus maybe for the first time. I need to get on the road with Jesus and surrender my life for eternal life with Jesus. Right now, all over the place, let me just pray for you. If that's you, say, I'm going to be counted in that prayer. Would you lift up your hand so I can see it? And more importantly, so that God can. My hand's all over the building right now. Yeah, just go ahead and just keep them up if you would. Just as an act of faith to God. And right now we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask all of us to pray together. And this is just, I'm going to loan you the words, but you supply the meaning right now. Let's all pray this. Let's say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you paid the price for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe that you give eternal life. I turn from my sin and I turn to your grace. And I confess 
that you are Lord of my life and I surrender all. From this moment, I will follow you all the days of my life. And Lord, I thank you for those who have prayed that prayer today, Lord, that I, they would have this revelation, whether some of them maybe just making a return and getting things right with you, but others who are stepping into new life for the very first time, that they would have this revelation that they are brand new creations. The old life is gone. The brand new life has come. This is truly day one of a brand new life. And Lord, it's all because of what you have done for us on the cross. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your grace and for your truth and for your love and for your hope that there are no dead ends with you. And we celebrate that today. Would you guys stand up with me? And as you're standing up, can we just celebrate with those who prayed that prayer? And 